today, uh, President Trump is apparently forming a task force to reopen the economy. Yes, finally, we'll get into that. Also, Democrats block Mitch McConnell's bid for emergency funds to save small businesses, mostly because they hate America. And MSNBC host tosses out a new conspiracy theory about the coronavirus. This one's going to make your head explode. We've got a lot coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by the one and only Jack of all trades, Yaku Buyans, a fellow of the Falkirk Center, uh, also movie maker. What, I mean, what else do you, former football player? There's nothing this man doesn't do. Janitor. Gen, I mean. Janitor, janitor at large, I told you before. Well, I gotta I'm bring running, you to my house because it's real dirty since the, the kid is home. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Also, we've got uh, Aaron Colon, writer at the Blaze. I need to add some more titles if I'm gonna be sitting by this guy here. Yeah, I know. So. I mean, he's he's just uh, like just, a really good writer. Yeah, one job. That's it. Amazing writer. We can't do it without you guys. Well, thank you. <laughs> I married a writer. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So I know you guys are valuable. Yes. I know you guys are valuable, really? too, mostly because it's what I started doing. So I need this affirmation. Thank you, guys. Let's get into the show. So uh, President Trump apparently is preparing to announce as soon as this week a second smaller coronavirus task force that is aimed specifically at combating the economic ramifications of this virus shutting down the economy, obviously. And uh, apparently the task, for the task force will be made up of a mix of private sector and top administration officials, including new chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Uh, and it will obviously be, there will be the main coronavirus task force and there will be this second task force. And there may be some overlapping members, they're saying, but uh, it's going to focus on how to reopen the economy. And the goal is to get, now again, if you're of the uh, the liberal mainstream media and you're thinking you're going to get this gotcha right here, the goal, meaning they're not saying it's going to for sure happen, the goal is to get as much possible reopened by April 30th. Yeah. That is, that is the goal. What are your thoughts, Yaku? I'm like, finally, would you hurry it up already? Yeah. Look, I'll say this. Yes, finally. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's always wanted this, right? He's played the game. How many times have we seen this president had to open and run a second task force? Mm -hmm. You know, FBI investigation, another group. Here we go again, right? We're going to do it the, the way of government. Now we're going to do it the business way. And, and something dawned on me yesterday. This is the only president, to my recollection, in, in history that has, that has enabled the public sector to have as much input in what government is doing say so, access to the White House, giving counsel. This guy really, this president, really is reaching out to the American people saying, how do we fix this? We don't know it all in government. Come help us. And this is another sign that he's willing to talk to top business leaders and say, come on, guys, we got to open this country up. Yeah, yeah, my first thought when I saw this was, why hadn't this happened already? I mean, I assume these conversations were happening on some level in the White House. Uh, but it seems like we should have had a task force on this from the jump because we always assume that there, at some point we wanted to reopen things. And now it seems like we've waited till three weeks and 17 million jobs to sort of say, let's really get on this. But better late than never, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on that. Um, the date, it, it, it's, it's clear that the task force that um, is working on the coronavirus response is not really focused on the economic side. That's the side that's working on 
the public health response. And that's fine, that's what their expertise is in, but we've seen over the course of the weeks that it's become imbalanced where it's so focused on that that the economy is just spiraling out of control and there's not enough emphasis on this. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this changes, how this is talked about and how decisions are made and what maybe the dialogue will be more balanced now about the weighing the different consequences of the actions. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that has been, you know, people like me, at least, and I know many people who have sat here at this table, that's kind of been what our hang-up has been this entire time is, okay, I get it. We obviously have to take into account lives that may be lost, period. Sure. But if you're talking about lives that may be lost, period, you have to look at the economic ramifications because if people can't pay their bills, they can't feed their families, they, I mean, you're talking really serious issues if you're putting, you know, the um, American society into a depression. I mean, you have, you have to consider that as well. Those count as lives lost. I'm so proud of you for doing this. I sent a post out, you know, on, on Instagram the other day talking about the collateral damage mm -hmm. of COVID, mm -hmm. right? Now we're talking about the collateral damage of COVID. Most of your societal issues, such as suicide, depression, yes. those things are all triggered by what? Financial stress. Yes. Debt burden. Not knowing the future. So we do have to talk about these things. This is, if you want to count lives, then let's count the, you know, the, the lives lost to suicide and the lives lost to all these different. Yeah, of course, it impacts them. So you want to really save lives to the left? And let's save lives. Let's get the economy back up. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. I mean, especially at a time where, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday, but especially at a time where you've got this model, the IMHE model that the White House is using, and they're having to keep downgrading the deaths that they're projecting yeah. now and the hospitalizations that they're projecting now. And that's what our entire response, our economic response, shutting down the economy, making everyone stay inside their homes. That's what this entire response was based off of. Yet every indication is that these models were wrong. Yeah, and I think now that we're seeing that, people are finally being able to look past the fact that this is not going to be forever. We don't know how many months or weeks this virus is going to go on. And by flattening the curve, we've probably extended the length of time it's around. But we're starting to finally say, after this, we're going to have to pick up the pieces of this. And we can't just wait till we get there you know, to decide that, especially when the date is so indefinite. You know, at the beginning of this, I think Trump said July or August, and Fauci has said different things about, well, maybe we need to wait till there's no viruses and no cases, and that's not sustainable. I mean, it's going to be around. And so now we're finally looking past that to say, okay, while we deal with the public health situation, which I think is being dealt with in a, as good a way as you can right yeah. now, we have to prepare ourselves for what's going to come after because there's going to be a lot of people displaced and in a bad shape because of this, and we have to be able to open things up in a way that works. I think what Aaron said there is so key uh, about what Fauci said. It's so bizarre to me living in a free society to have someone say, and again, this is probably why you don't put all of your clout into the, the person who is the public health advisor and not the economic advisor, right? You've got to give that the balance. But the Fauci said, well, maybe we should just wait until there's none. I mean, what, yeah, what no. illness, what virus, what anything have we ever said, let's just wait until there, that virus just doesn't exist how anymore would you before we open that? our doors? How would you ever prove? How would you be ever right. be able to prove? Could you prove that, oh, we've eradicated the flu, no. influenza? It's impossible to prove. Even measles, people say we've eradicated it, but no, we haven't. There are measles cases no, every single on, year in course. this country. I will just tell you, that's reckless. Look, I think the president's doing an incredible job keeping the ship together because I see two very different thought patterns from our leader and Fauci. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fauci's on a different path, guys. This guy would be all about 18 months lockdown and wait for the vaccine and the perfect cure to eradicate a virus. I personally, this is me speaking for me, you're probably going to next year say, hey, here's Corona season. 
you know, be, be, how would you ever know? And there's still this little, just this little red herring out there. The human immune system mm -hmm. that can actually build antibodies, that can actually build up a resistance that's better than any vaccine you could ever cook up, Bill Gates, right? We need to rely also that the human body is resilient. Yes, there's some people that's very vulnerable, right? Of course, we need to really cater to those individuals, but there's two different messages. Yeah, and I'm not one of the people who's being super hard on Fauci in terms of the fact that he only has the authority that he's given. He has a certain narrow expertise that deals with public health and infectious diseases, and he knows that. But if you start to give him broad authority to make policy decisions and you know decisions about when the economy can be closed, that's not really his fault necessarily. He's, he's just going to say what you allow him to say. So you have to hear his expertise, and then as the president or as whoever's in charge of these decisions, you have to then balance that with everything else. And it seems like, again, we're making that turn toward that but the fact that Fauci's authority seems to have grown so much that's uh, he's been given that and he's mm -hmm. I don't think he's like grabbing at it I think he's just being trotted out there every day to talk on television and he's become the face of the situation yeah I wouldn't disagree with you there uh, so while we're on the subject of the economy Senate Democrats blocked today an emergency measure designed to inject an additional $250 billion into a depleting fund for small businesses here in this country. Uh, Mitch McConnell said that they want to, quote, at, they want add-ons to help businesses in disadvantaged communities and additional funding for states and hospitals uh, in addition to the extra funding. Now, obviously, you know, we're talking about how the economy is being hit right now, how Americans are out of work, how it's affecting small businesses. Uh, the latest is that it's about 10 percent of the American workforce has now applied for uh, unemployment insurance. And that that's a big deal. Uh, Democrats, again, once again, we say them, we see them playing with Americans' lives. And instead of just agreeing to do what's right for America, they have a wish list that they want to some, you know, they think now is the time to barter and try to trade and get some certain things that they want. Um, I guess my question is, I understand this is a short-term thing. We've got to do something when the government forces you to shut down your business the government then, in return, has to do something for yes. you, and I get that. But, I mean, I'm like, we just did, what, $6 trillion, and now this is already another additional $250 billion. I mean, what, what, at what point do we start going, okay, guys, this may be great now, but we're kicking, kicking the can down the road for our kids and our grandkids to have to pay this back, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to. That's the part that kind of concerns me about this idea that we do have to respond quickly because people are hurting right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I think it's starting to get to the point where people are just like, spend money, spend money, do the policy. Mm -hmm. We're not thinking about it. There's not yeah. a lot of debate about it. And it's hard because, again, businesses are applying for these loans. They need this money to stay open. But if you just keep writing checks without thinking about it and if you pass votes without making people put their name on it it's going to be something that we do have to deal with after the fact and i don't think we're fully we're moving so fast that we're unable to fully grasp the consequences of this mm -hmm. and so i hope that they're able to find a balance between being responsive to the needs but not just saying we're going to throw blind untold amounts of money at this problem and not have any discussion about it and anybody who says let's talk about it you're hurting the American people. I mean, we have everything works on a different timeline. I think with this small business loan thing, the money's supposed to run out at the end of the month. So there is hopefully time for them to hash out whatever issues they're yeah. dealing with. I obviously don't trust the Democrats to be acting in good faith in terms of their wish list because what we've seen on the previous stimulus bills. But I hope that this pause can be used productively to talk about solutions 
that work and that are not going to hurt us so badly in the long term that we're going to regret them down the road. And by the way, Yaku, uh, the uh, Democrats, they want their package that they would like to propose is like double what the Republicans are proposing. So it's not yet. So it's not that the Democrats are like, oh, we're concerned about spending Uh, money now. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's not it. And and look, this is this exactly beautiful segue. This is my point, though. They they love this. They would love for this to continue. Look, you can't have one without the other. You can't say let's extend lockdown for 18 months or what and not keep shelling out money. Mm-hmm. Right? They want to grow government. They want to grow, you know, the, the dependency of the people on the government. There's two ways to attack this. You got to do triage. When someone's bleeding, right? I studied medicine. Someone's bleeding. You roll them into triage, but you got to go after the, the issue. Why are they bleeding, right? Yeah. Triage is the stimulus package. We need it. You can't do it without right. it. Government right. shut us down. But you can't keep doing triage. We've got to go do surgery. What's surgery? Open the economy back up. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop the bleeding, really, indefinitely. That's how you fix this thing. You've got to get business back in. You've got to grow GDP again, employ people again. Otherwise, you'll keep shelling out money. They love it. And then also, they want to double that number. Go see what's in that number. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we come again with the leftist agenda of funding what? Illegals. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The Green Deal. Here we go again on Green Deal. Here we go again on Planned Parenthood. This is and we shouldn't be surprised, Sarah. They'll do it 100 times over because they're playing their playbook. Yeah, they'll do it over and over and over. And I like the analogy you make of triage versus surgery, because when it comes to opening up the economy, I think you have to have a surgical approach to it to where you're not just saying open everything up at the same time. New York might have to be closed a little bit longer, but yeah. South Dakota, you it's know, they might be able to open up their businesses in a different way. And so you do have to look at it not just as is the country open or is it closed? We have to look at what is the situation in each of these states and cities and then react to it that way, and that will ease the burden that's being put on people. Yeah. Um, So, of course, Democrat lawmakers get some cover from mainstream media just to give an indication of how this is being covered on mainstream media and how Democrats are given a pass time and time again. If people are just reading CNN, we're all in trouble because uh, CNN originally posted this story as Democrats block GOP-led funding boost for small business aid program and less than an hour later changed it to Senate at stalemate over more COVID-19 aid after Republicans and Democrats block competing proposals. Didn't take long for someone on that editing floor to go, oh, hold on a second. You're actually blaming our people for something that they did. We're going to need you to change that up. Uh, So it really worries me for for the people. I don't know how many people still read CNN, but the fact that there are any that still read them after they pull this is terrifying. I think that there's a lot of people who are not necessarily super partisan one way or another who just open up their iPhone in the news app and they see a CNN headline that says Democrats block or Republicans block and that forms their talking points. And it's so that's why those headlines matter, because a lot of people aren't going to go in and read, well, what is what was the congressional sort of procedure that was working here? They're just going to say, oh, man, those Republicans, they want to stop this aid and I need help for my small business. And so this little stuff matters. And even if it's only out there for two, three hours and 100,000 people see it, like you'll go talk to somebody and you'll hear them say these talking points and you'll automatically know that you're not starting on the same spot in these conversations because they have a pre assumption based on something they read like that. Look. Global narrative is important here, right? And within minutes of those things happening, I'm getting tweets and WhatsApp messages from the international community. I'm an immigrant, legal legal immigrant, <laughs> but they only get CNN. 95% of American news that go to the world is CNN. It's all they get, right? 
then they get those kind of things. Mm -hmm. The flip-flop. I'm wondering today, and this is controversial, is CNN for hire as a marketing firm? Seems like it. Yeah. Seems like they got, they got hired mm -hmm. by a party. That's what you're playing as. You, you're looking like a, a marketing machine that just throws pasta against the wall to see if it sticks. And, and if you make a mistake or be honest for once, mm -hmm. whoa, whoa, come on. That's negative on us now. Yeah. Right, let's flip the script. Yeah. And this, these, okay. kind, these kind of headlines set up the sort of partisan divide to where the voters will then put pressure on their you know, Democratic politicians to be more antagonistic toward the other side. And that really hurts us when it comes to something like this that's actually yes. life and death. Yeah. And it might not matter on some other things, but when it's you know, people's lives, people's jobs, people's livelihoods, that's when these partisan fights and the, and the things that are being fed to people really can cause pain. Yeah. All right, coming up next, New York City is beginning to count home deaths suspected to be COVID-19 as coronavirus deaths without a test. What could possibly go wrong? We'll be back in a minute. I really have to refrain sometimes. I, I get so much stuff that I want to send you. Why, do you, why are you refraining? We'll get to what's going on in New York shortly. First, Attorney General William Barr, good old Bill Barr, said on Wednesday night yesterday that uh, by the time the entire coronavirus pandemic has come to an end, America will look back because hindsight is always 2020, right? And uh, realize that President Trump actually did save a lot of lives by closing the border down. Who'd have thunk it? Here is what Bill Barr had to say. Well, one of the things that I think the president has done very well here is to use the strength of a federal system where certain decisions should be made in Washington, perhaps, but also uh, allowing each state to adapt to the situation that confronts it and, and make their own choices. And that's a form of protecting liberty. The federal system is a form of protecting protecting liberty, to have the, the government closest to the people make those decisions. So I think we do have that protection. You're right in the general sense that uh, there is a power for the government to take extraordinary steps in genuine emergencies. That obviously creates a slippery slope. What do you call an emergency? And I am concerned that we not get into the business of declaring everything an emergency and then using these kinds of sweeping extraordinary steps. Uh, but given where, where, uh, where we were back in, in March, I think the president made the right decision. I think the president's made the right decisions for the right reasons. I think against the advice of many people, he closed the borders. And I think when the history of this is written, that's going to have saved a lot of lives. Uh, I think that given the, uh, given the uncertainty that surrounded this and the, and the possibility that it was so contagious that it would swamp our health care system, uh, he, he uh, supported the appropriate moves uh, for a limited period of time. I got to say, I would not want to be uh, I would not want to be in President Trump's position right now. I mean, really, it's got to be just awful to make any sort of decision. I would be crippled by indecision because he's at a position where he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He knows if he closes the border, he's going to get hell from every single Democrat, every single PC police out there. But you got to do it. Right. And then now he's he's talking to doctors who are telling him 200,000 people could die if you don't shut down the economy right now. He did it. Now people are pissed that the economy is shut down. So I would not want to be him. But uh, I'm glad to hear Bill Barr coming out and, and giving him credit where credit is due that closing the border was the right decision. Even Joe Biden came around. 
Mm-hmm. You remember Joe Biden yeah. actually criticized the president for closing the border because obviously President Trump is racist or not. Uh, and Joe Biden was like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. And now all of a sudden he says it, it was the right thing. You to don't do. even have to wait till the history is written. It's very clear now that closing off travel from these places was very necessary. Even when you look at the European travel ban and people were up in arms about that. And then the New York Times reports today that a majority of these cases in New York came from people that came from Europe. And so that should have probably even been done earlier than it was done. And so it's clear that if something like that, a virus is coming in, you, you close off travel. It's not racist, <laughs> but it takes, it takes how many thousands of people to die before you can look past that and be like, we have to put all feelings and politically correctness aside and put lives first. And now here we are. Logic yeah, is racism, it, apparently. It, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? And you're so right. You don't have to have too far hindsight in this, it, it's unfolding. How could you tell me the president was wrong on any level by shutting the border down, but you've got, you know, Democratic governors shutting states down, mm-hmm. right? Confining us to our homes. Really? We should leave the country open, but you want to confine me to the, it's, it's, it's complete hypocrisy. Of course he was right. Mm-hmm. He was so right in, in almost like he was a seer into the future, right? Because now all of them saying, oh, confined, six feet, six feet, and you know, stay in your home and don't go anywhere. But you're the guys who criticize him for protecting the country. Yeah. It's always smart yeah. to contain. Any military operation will tell you. You get Colonel West back up, he'll tell you, contain. Mm-hmm. Contain, lock down. First, take care of your people, and we'll open it back up. You make a great point. We're seeing history unfold faster than I think ever in, in history, mm-hmm. right? And it's only going to prove him right. The reason I think Joe Biden's jumping on the bandwagon, what's he going to say? He's got nothing to talk about. What's that guy going to, I mean, he's got to, you know, now he's saying, well, Corona's helping my presidential run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think not, sir. I'm about to say, I don't know about that. He's, I mean, <laughs> I, if anything, it's going to help Trump, especially as we get further away from this and these decisions that are made that were unpopular prove to have worked. I mean, we're looking at New York and Washington, these places that have gotten hit very hard, and they're places that obviously had travel from the hotspots around the world that were closed off. So what would happen if we had waited till March to slow down travel from China? Where would we be right now? And so it's just very clear that that was the right decision. I'm not even sure anybody's arguing it at this point. Yeah, uh, except Joe Biden, I guess. Back and forth, Yaku, you brought up his recent comments that coronavirus is helping him, I guess he thinks. Uh, control room, if we could get that clip ready, because we actually had that clip for later in the show. But while we're on the topic... Sorry, I, 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 I jumped. No, ahead. it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Uh, while we're on the topic, uh, Joe Biden did say that. He thinks that it's helped his poll numbers. Do we do we have that clip, guys? Uh, he thinks that it has helped his poll numbers. Okay, great. Um, and uh, he thinks that overall it's helped me. He says, the more he speaks, the more my numbers go up. Which, to me, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. Of course. It's you the accuse, more Joe you, Biden yeah, speaks. Yeah, you accuse the person of what you know you're guilty of. I mean, come on. This is the oldest book trick in the book, right? Yeah. No, when he speaks, it falls apart. He doesn't know where he's at. He was talking about the Civil War two days ago. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, no, he was. I mean, he's like he's coming unraveled. Mm-hmm. He was talking to Chris Cuomo. He's telling Chris Cuomo the environment's to blame for the coronavirus. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Chris, CNN reporter, Cuomo. Chris, and you could look at this guy. I didn't he wants hear to, this. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll play you the clip. The environment. So, the environment. The environment's role on the coronavirus, yes. Well, did you hear that uh, a couple people, AOC, I think in particular, I saw, are saying that, that the coronavirus is racist? 
I did see oh, really? that. The, ri- the virus is racist. Uh, well, obviously. Because they're calling for, I believe, reparations for minority urban communities that are being uh, apparently disproportionately hit. And so that's one of the things that's probably going to be proposed in one, the next stimulus. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. Uh, here is Joe Biden making his comments about uh, apparently the coronavirus is helping him or something. This crisis has obviously upended this campaign. It has made it difficult for you to be heard the way you ordinarily would be under normal circumstances. And obviously, President Trump has a daily forum uh, that is watched by millions of Americans. To what degree has this pandemic hurt Joe Biden politically? Based on the polling data, it's helped me. The more he speaks, the more my numbers go up. I'm not being facetious. Uh, So he also criticized President Trump for, quote, reacting too slowly, incredibly too slowly uh, to the outbreak and claimed that he wrote some January 17th uh, op-ed article. Actually, it was January 27th, Joe. It was not January 17th. I realize you don't ever wake up and know what day it is, but you were a little (laughs) off on that. Uh, And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you see this in an election year even more so, I think, than regularly, that whatever President Trump does, there's always going to be someone on the other side saying, well, we would have done it better. But really, when you look at it, what what possible decision could he have made differently in the time that he was making it? That's the thing. And I think Joe Biden has even done. It's so easy to be. We were talking about this up here. Easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and look at something and say, this is how we should have done it. Joe Biden is not even able to do that. And so if he can't even come after the fact and really display a good reason why he would have done something differently, then how can you criticize what's been done? Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is him come out and say things that Trump has already done, say, hey, Trump should do that because yeah. he's not even paying attention. Yeah. And so to say that every time Trump talks, his numbers get worse. Every interview I see of Joe Biden, MSNBC, he's on there like every day, it seems like. He's looking down at notes. He doesn't seem to have things off the top of his head. It's not coherent for more than one or two sentences. And so I don't know that anybody's looking at him and saying, you know what, I would rather have Joe Biden in in the driver's seat right now. And I'm not even particularly sympathetic to Donald Trump in any particular way. But I don't look at Joe Biden and say, wow, he's the guy that I wish was doing this. Yeah. I'm, I don't see that anybody can see in, that. Especially in the midst of an economic yeah. crisis. Yes. Oh, put him in the driver's seat. Can we, can we for a second it. have fun with this? Just fun. Sure. A little bit of fun. Can we bring some football back into the Absolutely, conversation? Absolutely, please. Do we don't know if we're going to get it this season. Let's talk football. football for a second, okay? If you're going to pick two quarterbacks, there's a reason we set rookie quarterbacks. Right? There's a reason they get red-shirted. There's a reason you don't, because you just don't know what's the guy going to do right, in the playoffs. Yep. You can play. Trump is showing you that he's doing something that President Obama cannot give him advice for. President Clinton cannot give him advice for. Bush cannot, because none of them have done this before. Oh, no president in the history of planet Earth has ever run through a crisis like this. So at the end of this thing, you're going to look at Donald Trump and go, that's a wartime guy. That's a playoff quarterback. That's a postseason quarterback. Joe, you struggled game one. You couldn't even call the plays game one. Game four, you're falling apart. You know, when you're the relief pitcher, you can't even pitch. You know, you can't even do anything Monday morning to even combat what President Trump did on Friday. Mm. We can't pick you as a wartime guy. This is a wartime president showing his muster right now. And let's say there are polls that show Joe Biden going up. It's always, to the quarterback analogy, there's always fans that look at the backup quarterback and saying, that guy should be in every time mm-hmm. the starting quarterback throws a pick. There's always people who will say that because it's easier to look at the guy who's not out there and say, well, he's not making any mistakes, and the guy who's out there isn't making mistakes. 
but then you make that switch too early and you see the consequences of somebody who doesn't have experience. And so it's always going to look a little bit uglier for the person who's in there dealing with it. But as you get through it and as you see how things play out, you realize that what you've got is more stable than somebody who's sitting on the sideline, you know, looking like they're unblemished. Mm. As a Cowboys fan, don't I know that. That hit, that hit me. You got me in my feelings now. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, the draft's coming. <sighs> I know. Who, who's that, who's Dak, Dak's backup? Put Dak in. Doug, get Romo out of there. Put Dak oh in. My getting to uh, what's going on in New York City. So New York City, the uh, New York City Health Department and the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner are uh, working together to include into their coronavirus reports uh, deaths that may be linked to COVID, but not lab confirmed. These are deaths that have occurred at home where people were and uh, they're going to go ahead and roll that into the count. Now, I think this is particularly important in New York, where we're already seeing, obviously, this is like this is the place that is hardest hit right now. Um, I don't know that that does any good when you're talking about how the nation responds, how the government responds to pat. I mean, it, it, it's padding the numbers, of course. is it not? Of course. I mean, I mean, just take that in your business. If you pad numbers in anything, it's never good to mess with, with the math, right? Mm-hmm. Now, go back to what you said earlier. We have to recalibrate the projections every day. This is where I'm a little heavier on, on, on Anthony Fauci, right? You want to recalibrate the, the projections because you were overestimating. Now you're padding numbers. Why? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to close the gap? Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on here? And that's just me saying it. You know, guys, we're recalibrating. If this drops all the way down, because they did this in Italy. Yeah. Italy, you died of a heart attack walking down the street. They listed it as COVID. That's a fact. Doctors are coming out saying this. So is that what's happening here? We, we're we're going to raise, raise it up a bit because we shot way high. Yeah. I understand out of fear we shot high because we want to protect Americans. That's very important. But then as we go along and you're seeing and you're adjusting numbers, don't continue lying. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, let's let's really reset. Yeah, that that does that does put it in context. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two things kind of going on at the same time it does make you wonder, Aaron. Right, and I remember when this happened in China. I think a lot of us were critical when they made the change from counting confirmed cases to counting presumed cases. And like you said, in Italy, that's a problem where we don't really know how many of those deaths are actually because of coronavirus or just tied to coronavirus in some way. And I don't see a good reason why we would not just separate. You've got presumed cases here and we can list those and we can count those and we can evaluate them maybe later or however we do that and confirm cases here because all those numbers are gonna do is alarm people. If you've got people who died and they tested positive, what if they were asymptomatic and they just had it and then they died of a heart attack or something? That's not accurate. And so it's just going to cause alarm. These numbers are large enough as it is to where it's causing right. people to panic and it's, it's affecting decisions. It's affecting our clarity and causing fear for people. So I think it's important to be as precise as possible with numbers. Somebody like me, I'm looking at this stuff every day in detail. I'll be able to sort through it one way or another. But the general public who's not just embedded in it at all times is going to just see there's a huge spike in the numbers of coronavirus it must be getting worse we must be shut down even more and it's just it's mudding the waters for how people view this yeah uh, even new york city mayor bill de blasio said he's comfortable making the assumptions that these deaths are from the disease uh, without the testing because he says we do want to know the truth about every death at home but it's safe to assume that the vast majority are coronavirus related that makes it even more sober the sense of people we're losing 
That kind of plays to your point, Yaakov. It's never that, safe to assume. Right. That makes it more Assuming sober. Assuming is but never, if, not in this, now yeah. in this crisis, you want facts. Right. We're, we're, we're the shut sense down of people the we're world. losing, then you want to know the truth, right? We shut down the world. Yeah. Based on an assumption, you can't. That is, a, that, I didn't read that. That's a reckless statement. From a statesman, from an elected official, it's safe to assume. And the more you hear from doctors, the more they say that we just don't know enough. We're learning new Correct. things every day about right. what it does to lungs and heart and how these things interact. So the people who really are in there doing this are saying, we don't know. We can't assume or presume anything. And you've got Bill de Blasio going out there and saying, you know what, we'll just count them all. Right. You know, count them all. And you've got to wonder what the incentive is to do that. And you said something that's so important, you know, because we take this for granted. You're in the news cycle every day. I mean, you don't miss a thing. You, you're studying it because you're a writer, and I know your type, right? right? The general population, they take it at face value. Mm-hmm. So optics actually matter here. It does matter because it trickles down to, the, again, the collateral impact on the family member and the job and then the, the mental and the psyche. I mean, it's, that's reckless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hayes, MSNBC host Chris Hayes, has floated a new conspiracy theory about the coronavirus. Let me see what you guys think of this. He tweeted out uh, about, you know, President Trump responding to the fact that the projection was now lowered and that we've seen far lower than what has been projected. Chris Hayes says the most cynical interpretation of all of this, one I can't quite bring myself to accept, now, this is me talking for those of you podcast listeners, but I'm going to tweet it out anyway, uh, is that they rolled out the model showing 100,000 deaths after they knew it would be less than that so they could anchor everyone to that number and take a, uh, he meant victory, but he wrote victory, so that they could take a victory lap when only, quote, tens of thousands died. So Chris Hayes is saying that the Trump administration purposely padded that 100,000 uh, number, 100,000 death number, knowing that it would be far below that, and they could say, well, we just did all these things and saved you guys. You're welcome. It's the most reckless. Like, when I saw that, I was just shocked that he would do that. He's doing the I'm not saying, but I'm saying kind right. of thing. It's so irresponsible to throw that out there. And it doesn't really make sense. First of all, those numbers come from these models that we've been told that we have to believe. It's not like Trump right. was sitting in his office like, mm, yeah. 100,000. He, he's following models. He's following Fauci. He's following Burks and the things that they're saying and recommending. And so you can't hit him for downplaying it. And then when he starts following the models that are way sky high, then you say, well, he's doing that just to, you know, bend the curve for himself. It doesn't even make any sense. And to throw that out there like that as somebody with the platform that he has and the influence that he has to just say that and then not take responsibility for it. I'm not endorsing it, but let me detail for you what I really think and what everybody who watches this network is probably going to believe because they're predisposed to mm-hmm. believe that Trump would do something like that. This is really irresponsible. Uh, Yaku, I, I will say also, uh, this is coming out at a time where Fauci and Burks, DC reporter Paul Sperry, uh, broke that, that Fauci and Burks, both avid Clinton supporters. Huge. You, so no, I'm on. not seeing how Look, Fauci, they would Again, want I'm to heavy on Fauci. The guy's been there forever. He is, he's as probably deep state as they come. He's been there with all the president. This is a career guy. Chris, I want to talk to you. <laughs> The models, brother, that you're quoting here came from the left. It came from your, from your educational institutions. These models came from Harvard, from Yale, from our magical professor in the UK, which had a two million number in the US and had to scale it back down. These models didn't come from the Oval Office. Are you kidding me? And oh, by the way, you blamed this president for being too conservative 
on the front end. Mm. Now he's too liberal. He's padding it to have a victory. Which is it? Yeah, do you want him to follow the models or exactly. not? I mean, wh where do you want the information to come from? He's got the doctors with him. He's got the models with him. Do you want him to just make up whatever makes you feel good? It just shows that he can't win. Yeah. And even people, regardless of how you feel about him, you have to look at it and be like, it, it's a lose-lose situation mm -hmm. for him in the public eye. And it's not, I don't think that's going to play well you know, in November for the people who are opposing President Trump. Yeah. Uh, this is good for him. Uh, well, we'll see. Back in a minute. If we draw a chart of just how often they contradict their position, right? I've done anything. He's not taking this serious. Talking about how the election may go in 2020, uh, you know, you've, you've got to factor in all these different things. You've got to factor in the economy. You've got to factor in what mainstream media is saying. Yahoo's like Chris Hayes, who are trying to make Trump sound like he's doing something insidious when it's very clear that he's not. Uh, you've also got to factor in dumb young people. I was trying to decide if I wanted to, like, say that a, a different way. No, I'm just going to say dumb young people. Uh, liberal college students apparently are, uh, they were they were kind of polled. There was an online poll by the College Fix, and they found that a pretty fair amount of Democratic college students believe that Trump has most of the blame for coronavirus has spread around the world. The question was, who has played more of a role in the global spread of coronavirus? Now, the choices were President Trump, the Chinese government, both equally or neither and or something else. And at least 27 percent of these college students said that Trump should be blamed more. Only 15 percent said the Chinese government should be blamed more. Now, we're talking about, uh, you know, it not being good for Trump's opponents, but that that's terrifying. Yeah, I think that goes to what we talked about earlier with people who just casually follow the news. If you're just casually looking through mainstream news sources, you're not going to see a lot of in-depth coverage about how the Chinese government handled this, how they concealed it, how they covered it up, how they're lying about it to this day. All you're seeing is about what Trump said. Was it right? Was it wrong? How, what mistakes he made? And so just basic media consumption will feed you this idea if you don't independently go look that it is Trump's fault and you don't there's not I don't think there's a widespread knowledge of how responsible China is for this and I think that that indicates it right there. Yeah, Yaku, 36% of these college students decided that they were equal, that they shared China and Donald Trump yeah, look, both I'm, shared the the responsibility. Surprise the number's not higher because what you're seeing there is a direct result of your ultra left higher education system. These kids are indoctrinated. If we're saying Joe that's 45 years old today has a single channel in through CNN. Imagine sitting in a classroom mm -hmm. for years. All they hear is conservatism is bad. The United States is to blame for everything. And this is what they're fed. Of course, they're going to spew this right now, right? It's, it's all that they're being fed. That is a direct result of what you get when you send your kid to college today. That's why guys like Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA is so important mm -hmm. to get some young people to think for themselves. I'm not even asking you to agree with me. I'm just saying, Get off whatever you're smoking, okay, and think for a minute. Can you really blame one man, one man that's in America where it didn't start? Where it here? didn't originate. That's okay? the thing. Yeah. For the world, it's not just for the United States. No, right. let's just go. Global. Let's just let's just With go global. global. Let, let's say it's his fault. It's on Mars. 
as well. You know, I mean, come I on. I think it just goes to like a small-minded view of like you just think that everything focuses on your political perspective and your country. Like, so it must be Donald Trump's fault because he's the most important person in the country. If you had even just like a general awareness yeah. of what's going on worldwide, you would be like, wow, this is happening in Italy. This is happening in China. You wouldn't even consider the idea that this is. America's fault or Trump's fault because it doesn't make any logical sense if you have a general idea of how this progressed from December, January until now. Yeah, you got to believe that these uh, these liberal college students are pretty upset today knowing that Bernie is officially out. You got to believe oh they are. And by the way, these are the same kids that went to the beach, okay, <laughs> that didn't adhere to social distancing. You want to blame the president, but you didn't follow protocol? You're uh, to blame. Or if it's not them, as their friends. They're friends. Right? I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, it's never them. Look, I think, I think some people are crying. They can't watch news today because they're just, they're just shocked that Bernie is not in the race. What were you thinking? You thought that that the Democratic Party was gonna let Bernie actually be the nominee? Yeah, they should have known. They killed they his campaign known. before coronavirus. And oh, yeah. People might blame it on this, but no, he, was done. he was done before this became a thing in America. I did like uh, Trump's tweet, though, about Elizabeth Warren being the spoiler for Bernie, just because I like watching. I like that he throws that shot in there every time. Yeah, like, and yeah, I like watching a- him shake things up and, yeah. and try to piss the left off. Didn't you say Bernie supporters, other. hey, come vote for me or something like that? Yes. Like, something in there? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, he said that, and then it was followed up by a tweet that said, uh, so Bernie's going to hold on to his delegate what's he thinking (laughs) well don't criticize the guy whose voters you just told to come vote your way that doesn't make much sense uh where does bernie go after this yako look there's so many memes out there is bernie gonna run in 2024 he he, he does he alive in 2024 and i don't i don't say that jokingly he's old and he's had this is the time to go to go serve your state of Vermont the way you serve your state, you know, and right off into the sunset, mm-hmm. honestly, because it's done. It's never. The, the, the deck is stacked against you, even under the party that you ran for, right? Mm-hmm. This is where I want to talk to the burn, to the team out there and say, look, stay with the anti-establishment, you know, socialist for Trump 2020. Come on, <laughs> come on over. Come on over. You don't, you don't want Biden. Yeah. Can we remind you what that looks like? Mm. College student. You want Biden? I mean, no, come on. Uh, where does he go? I don't know. The guy's going to be a politician in, in, until... Until until he dies, probably. No, he, yeah, of course. Again, I, I don't do say that, that unkindly. No, he, this is a Ruth, Ruth get, you know, Ginsburg, Ginsburg yeah. situation. He's going to be there, but please don't run for anything else. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he's, pushed, he's pushed this as far as he can go. I mean, he really has... The party is way further left than it was, you know, five, ten years ago. So, I mean, I guess he can look at that and say... I did what I could, but they were never going to let him get to the very top to really run the whole show. I mean, all of the other candidates were proposing his own policies, so he can be proud that his policies are being followed through with. we got to take a break. We'll be back. And and give credit, though. The guy runs hard, though. Mm -hmm. This is not a guy who steps in and doesn't hit back and punch back. This guy runs hard. Yesterday's poll, uh, we, I switched it up. I was supposed to read a different one, but I read the other one that I saw, which was if you had to be quarantined with one Blaze TV host, who would it be? The options were 
Glenn Beck, Steven Crowder, Stubergear, or Mark Levin. Uh, Steven Crowder won that one, 42%. Followed by Mark Levin, 36%, which I, he scares me. I, I've never no, met I him, love but Mark. He, is he really nice? I was on his show. He's he, an amazing guy. That's why he, I bet he's the type of person who's super nice in person, but he's very intimidating he's when you just hear him on the radio. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's go to the, the, the poll today. Will the Democrats try to replace Biden before November. That was the big debate on the show yesterday. What do you think, Yaku? They're thinking about it. They're thinking about I think they are gritting their teeth. I, they're chanting, hang on, Joe. Just come on, hang in there, Joe. I really do think they're thinking about it. I think they want to, but I don't think they can because they've just put so much into him now that they're just going to have to ride it out, even though it probably looks like a mistake right now. Yeah, they're sitting there going, oh, crap. This is the guy oh, crap, chose. we put all of our eggs in this basket and he doesn't even know what day it is. What do we do? Uh, they're well, going to run we'll Corona. See. That's what they're going to run. <laughs> they're going to run Corona. All right, go vote. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.